Welcome to the Davy Tree Expert Companies podcast, Talking Trees. I'm your host, Doug Oster. Each week, our expert arborists share advice on seasonal tree care, how to make your trees thrive, arborists' favorite trees, and much, much more. Tune in every Thursday to learn more, because here at the Talking Trees podcast, we know trees are the answer. This week, I'm joined by Luke Warner. He is a district manager at the North Pittsburgh office. Luke and I do some radio stuff together, have done some video stuff together, but to my surprise, he's never been on the podcast before. I thought we had talked before, Luke. Yeah, I know. I uh, like, like you said, we've done some of that other stuff together, but I don't think I've ever been on the podcast with you. Well, welcome aboard, and today we are talking all about tree identification. So for the homeowner... How do you guide them as to, you know, figuring out what's what? So there's a lot of different ways or things you can look at to determine what type of tree you might have on your property. Um, But ultimately, everything starts out, you know, a little bit farther away. You're not always, you know, don't run up to the tree and start looking at the little things. Just step back, uh, look at the big picture first. Um, You know, the first thing is, you know, what area are you in? So, you know, here I'm in Western Pennsylvania, so I know most of the trees I'm going to look at aren't going to be a palm tree. So, you know, eliminate those trees that, that don't live uh, where you're at. So from afar, you know, look at uh, the first things like, is it a is it a coniferous tree or is it a deciduous tree? Right. So conifers have cones. Most of the time they have needles or maybe um, scale like evergreen plants. Right. These are trees that that don't drop their leaves in the fall. Um, Deciduous trees do drop their leaves in the fall. So those are the two large classifications of trees. There's many beyond that, but those are the first couple things that you would look at. When did you figure out what was what? Did you do this as a kid? Did you know the difference between a red maple and another type of maple, or did that come with your profession? Um, the, The subspecies came with uh, with my profession, but, you know, growing up, I knew, you know, this was an oak, this was a maple, a dogwood, all those common plants. Um, but as I got into, you know, forestry classes in school and specifically dendrology, which is, you know, science of plant identification, uh, that's when you really hash out what, uh, what's what. So we've looked from afar. Now, what do we do when we get closer? Yeah, so uh, like I said, figure out if it's a, a an evergreen or a deciduous tree. Those deciduous trees drop leaves in the fall, have their traditional looking leaves. Uh, they also have fruit or flowers. Where the evergreens and, and conifers are, you know, primarily needles and have cones. Um, after that, you can, you know, you're still far away from the tree. You're looking at it. Maybe you look at the the form or the shape of it. Is it a pyramidal shape? Is it a vase-shaped or columnar or oval, round? All of those different things can start to put you in the, you know, direction and category of what type of tree it may be. So what you're trying to do is you're trying to, to you know, cross off things off the list that it is not um, and continue looking at things that it is or things that it's grouping with. So after I determine if it is a an evergreen or a deciduous tree and I look at the shape, maybe I'll walk up a little bit closer um, and everybody I think probably looks at the leaves first because that's one of the best 
signs and best things you can look at for a tree. So um, when you go up to it, uh, if it is, let's let's pretend it's an evergreen, okay? Uh, we walk up to it. It has it has needles. Now, are those needles in in a bundle or a fascicle? It's called. Um, are they bundled together or are they uh, each on their own and single on the stem? So oftentimes that can separate firs and spruces with pines. So once you even separate that, if we were to run down, you know, the pine tract, um, how many needles are in each bundle? So some plants have three, some plants have two, um, and some have five, like white pines, which are really common for us. Um, but going through those leaves, uh, if it was a deciduous tree, you can look at its then branching structure. So if it is uh, opposite or alternate leafed plants, um, opposite means there are leaves uh, growing directly opposite of each other on the leaf. And alternate means, you know, there's one coming off here. You go down the limb a little bit. There's another leaf going off there. So uh, that's a way to categorize the leaves. Uh, only certain species of leaves have opposite branching. Um, in uh, in dendrology, I uh, I remember it was called madcap buck was like the the you know the shortcut on plants that have alternate or I'm sorry plants that have opposite branching. So you think of mad M A D that's maple ash, dogwood. Cap is stands for the Caprophyllaceae family. There's a lot of viburnums, honeysuckle in there. Um, and then buck was short for buckeye or horse chestnut. So if you go up to a plant, you see it has opposite branching. That was always a nice shortcut, you know, to jump to, to certain plants. And then you could break down you know, within those species what it may be. But it, uh, it really helped uh, identify those those plants. Um, but if we're talking about leaves, you know, the deciduous trees and say it's alternate, right? It doesn't fall into that opposite uh, uh, leaf category. There's a couple of different types of leaves we have. We have simple and compound leaves. So simple leaves are that like uh, of an oak or a maple, things that, you know, one leaf looks like one leaf. That's what people traditionally think of when they think of a leaf. Um, compound leaves are a, a bunch of leaflets together form one leaf. Um, things like locusts, walnuts, uh, hickory, ash. Uh, so where a leaf falls, you know, where it comes off of the branch, it has multiple leaves on that. Um, other types of leaves uh, on plants are, or other types of compound leaves, there are uh, palmate leaf compounds. So if you take your hand and you open up your hand and you're looking at your palm and you have all your fingers, right? You have five fingers coming off. There are leaves that are shaped like that. So I always remember palmate leaf, palm of your hand. Um, those are those, you know, horse chestnuts um, and, and buckeyes or different types of, uh, of palmately compound leaves versus pinately compound, which is your ash trees and locusts and walnuts. Those are the ones that are on a long stem kind of in a row, all coming off of each other, not kind of coming off of a, 
central or you know center point. Do homeowners normally know in a basic form what they've got? Like they'll know, like, hey, I've got this oak, or you know, certainly probably everyone knows a maple, but or does it just vary from property to property? It yeah, it it very varies greatly from property to property in different homeowners. Um, everybody thinks, you know, everybody knows the maple leaf. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably the most common or most recognizable leaf um, just because it's, you know, it's used on, you know, a lot of different symbols. But um, everybody seems to think they have an oak tree all the time. I don't know why, but it's, you know, oh, I have this oak in the front or I have this. And they just, I think it's a type of tree that they know. So they they go to that or any big tree is an oak tree. Um, but uh, it's, it's fun to be able to help individuals identify them, um, you know, teach them the, the different ways that you can, you know, go through this and, and figure out, you know, what it may be and pointing out different characteristics. Um, leaves aren't, you know, sometimes you have to identify trees when there aren't any leaves, uh, you know, on the tree uh, in the winter time, um, and that's you know, there's different ways to to look at it that way. But uh, you know, different characteristics in the bark, um, buds can be different. Um, leaf scars, which is how where the leaf comes off of the stem, um, all of those things have their own type of uh, fingerprint and can help identify the trees. Yeah, I I have, you know, you've been here, you've seen it. I've got all these oaks, but it took me a long time and I needed advice from guys like you and like what the difference between the oaks are, you know, Uh, why is this one hanging on to its leaves longer? And then when I first moved in here, I was really confused by a Dawn Redwood. Yeah. So I was like, what is this thing? And talk a little bit about that Dawn Redwood and identifying it. Because that's a, that's a, you know, that one drops its needles, but it looks like a conifer in the summer. It does, yes. So that's a, uh, a deciduous evergreen, like you said, meaning an evergreen or a, a needle plant that drops its needles annually. Um, so those are, are very confusing for a lot of homeowners. And, and it almost seems like when uh, someone buys a house and they have a, a Dawn Redwood or a Bald Cypress, you know, either they're both, you know, very similar uh, in which they have needles that they drop each year. I can't tell you how many times I've been called out to a house to, hey, I need a, a price to remove this pine tree that died, right? We just bought the house in the summer. And of course, you know, first winter, we have to remove this tree. It, you know, because nobody's usually accustomed to an evergreen dropping its needles. So you're able to go out and 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 show them and tell them that, you know, hey, everything's okay. This is normal. It's going to push out new needles next year. And um, you know, kind of start all over, but, uh, yeah, if I had a spot in my yard for one of those, I'd, I would love to have a bald cypress. You know, Luke, it's my favorite tree on the property. Uh, it was here when I got here a hundred foot tall. I often tell the story on the podcast, how we first moved in here and my kid was in eighth grade and you know, what kind of climbing tree a Don Redwood is. It's like a ladder Yeah, and looking up about 50 feet in the air and having a heart attack, you know, seeing my kid up there, uh, <laughs> Since we're talking about favorites and we always have the caveat, right tree, right place. Are there a couple of things in your arsenal that you, when you find the right spot for them that don't get planted as much as you would like to see them in, in landscapes? Is there anything that comes to mind? 
Um, I really like elm trees. They're some of my favorite species. Um, I like the history of them. I like large trees. So I'm, you know, kind of kind of lean in that direction to those oaks and elms and, and trees that have the the capabilities of getting large and living a long time. Um, you know, with living a long time, you know, I say elm, everybody might think of Dutch elm disease, but there are a lot of new hybrids um, and cultivars that are more resilient to Dutch elm disease than a lot of the newer ones. Um, it's a, it's a tree that, that can require a fair amount of space if you put it in the full sun, especially the, the American elm cultivars. Uh, but if you have that space and you're able to put one in, you know, it has a very nice, you know, vase-shaped uh, tree. They can get very large. They can get very wide. Um, they're probably a, uh, one of my personal favorite uh, shade trees. Hmm. I, do, I do like them a lot. You have a favorite tree other than the bald cypress of your house? Well, uh, what I've been doing since I've been doing this podcast is that I've been uh, adding natives. Uh, you know, as as the oak forest is in decline, which is really a pain, Luke, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm putting in natives. You know, I, I really love my uh, American hornbeam. Uh, you know, uh, sometimes I guess they call it muscle wood. Is that right? It is. Yep, and that's an easy way to identify that plant. Yeah, by the bark. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, another one on my property I really love is the shagbark hickories. I have a lot of those. You know, it's just I'm trying to diversify as much as I can in the forest because of everything that's, you know, happened over the last century, you know, where and, you know, with new diseases and new pests, it's just good to have a lot of different things uh, in the forest. Yeah, certainly. When you start to have a monoculture or the same, you know, many of the same species on, you know, your property or in a forest, when you do have these pests that come through, be it insects, disease or, or, you know, whatever it may be, um, it can change the landscape and really, you know, wipe things out, uh, you know, like a wave going through a property. And with that biodiversity and with diversifying those species of trees that you have, you know, you're not going to be impacted by that as much. So let's talk a little bit about how you got into this. I'm interested always when I'm talking to arborists, what led them in that direction? Uh, well, in high school, I, um, I, I wasn't, you know, really sure that I wanted to go to college. Um, I, uh, my dad kind of wanted me to, to go um, and at least, you know, try out a year. He had gone to, uh, um, to college and got a degree. So <clears throat> I went to a community college and got an associate's degree in park and recreation. Um, I wasn't thrilled with the seasonality of that career uh, or of that path, but I took one, it was like a forestry 101 class. And it was really the first time that I went to school and, and enjoyed it and looked forward to class. And it always seemed like that class, you know, I don't know what it was, maybe an hour and 15 minutes long or something like that. But it went by so fast and and it would end. And I was like, oh, man, you know, I really wish the class was longer. I just really enjoyed that forestry 101 class. So I looked and the the closest universities that offered a bachelor's degree in forestry were uh, Penn State, West Virginia and, and Syracuse. So. I uh, had a lot of family that went to Penn State, and I, I wasn't, you know, overly interested in that. So um, I went to 
WVU and, and got my bachelor's in forestry and um, worked for, uh, you know, the university forest a little bit and worked for division of forestry in West Virginia and just really enjoyed that. Um, and then ultimately ended up here in Pittsburgh, more on an urban forestry end, because uh, I went to school for, you know, forest resource management and, and timber production and, and managing these large tracts of land that, you know, you might have you know, hundreds of thousands of trees to manage, uh, or then you're going to now with the urban forestry is you're going into, you know, someone's property that they may have five trees, but you still look at it the same. You still have to build a plan. The forestry plan might not be as large, but you need to build a, a plan and recommendations to care for their trees, whether they have, you know, a hundred or, or one. So back to tree ID, is there something we haven't covered yet that we need to talk about when we're trying to figure out what's growing in our property? Well, we covered bark a little bit. There's obviously different uh, bark textures. There's papery bark, uh, like a paper birch, smooth bark, like a um, an American beech. And there's different, you know, ridges on bark. Some are... Um, divided they might have horizontal cracks in them where other bark like a um like a red oak would have you know uninterrupted ridges that run all the way up and down the tree um past bark looking at smaller things you know as you get closer to the tree um you have your uh you know flowers you can have different colors of flowers different shape um maybe the timing that they come out can be a clue on what species it is you know if uh, one that everybody seems to know is that first flower of the year everybody always knows what a forsythia looks like and it's yellow and that's not super common um so that's something that you know a lot of homeowners already know how to identify you know based off color and, and timing and um cones on evergreen trees could be one just like fruit on deciduous trees. Um, so underneath both of those, there's there's different ki kinds of cones and there's different kinds of fruit. So cones can be different sizes, different shapes. They can have different colors. So like the balsam fir has a very unique cone. Instead of hanging down, like most people think of, you know, a traditional pine cone or spruce cone hangs down, uh, balsam firs are upright. And they stand kind of on end on, on top of the limb and they have a, a very unique color, almost a bluish purple. Um, so there's some trees like that that you can identify right off the bat by one thing almost where, um, you know, maybe an oak tree takes a little bit, you know, different tactics to, to find, you know, that specific species. But under fruit, you can have, you know, acorns that, that come off oak trees. You can have different other other types of nuts like uh like hickories or beeches you know they have nuts but they ultimately look different the outside of a, a beech nut you know looks kind of shaggy and furry where the outside of a lot of hickories are more smooth um and uh you know different fruits everybody knows what they call you know helicopters that mm -hmm. come off their their maple trees but you know those are samaras and that's a way you can identify you know, some of those trees, uh, some have the fruit are pods, like, uh, like a snap pea would be from your garden, maybe like, uh, locusts, red buds, 
northern catalpas. Those are all trees that have that type of fruit. Um, there's ones that have uh, almost ball type fruit, like London plane trees, American sycamore, sweet gums. They have ball type fruit, but even if you got to that ball type fruit and, and weren't sure which one it was, you know, you look at a couple pictures, you see that the, the sycamore and London plane trees are a very smooth ball type fruit where um, a sweet gum is the total opposite. You know, it's a very spiky looking ball. So as you go down the list, you know, from looking at a tree from afar to going up close to a tree, you know, you're always narrowing things down more and more. And, you know, you look at the leaves, you look at the bark, you look at the fruit, and eventually you will, you know, get to where, you know, process of elimination, you'll, you'll figure it out. Well, I'm going to leave it right there, Luke. That's great stuff. Uh, next time you're here, you're going to have to help me ID a couple of trees, though, to get ex ex specifically what type of, I know the main, you know, like I know an oak, I know a maple. I want, mm -hmm. I want to know the exact uh, variety that it is. Not variety, but uh, I don't yeah. know what I'm thinking. Subspecies. There. Yeah, subspecies. Mm -hmm. So thanks again. We'll be talking soon, I'm sure, on the radio, and I'm sure we'll talk here again. Appreciate your time. Sounds good, Doug. Thank you for having me. Tune in every Thursday to the Talking Trees podcast from the Davy Tree Expert Company. I am your host, Doug Oster, and do me a big favor. Subscribe to the podcast so you'll never miss one of these fun shows. Do you have an idea for a show or maybe a comment? Send me an email to podcasts at davy.com. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-S -S at D-A-V-E-Y.com. And as always, we'd like to remind you on the Talking Trees podcast, Trees are the answer.